thanks for joining us again for Behind the Sport. Brent is not with us this week. Um, his little one, one of his little ones is having the uh, jabby jab. And so he wanted to just make sure that, um, you know, didn't get interrupted if he got a sore arm or didn't feel well, which is fair enough. Um, been out all weekend. Arise Racing here in Western Australia put on a fantastic show over the weekend. Uh, we got to see some McLaren versus Ferrari action, Senna GTR doing burnouts. Um, actually, the highlight was probably the Senna GTR versus the Radical SR10. Uh, this SR10 actually held its own, um, yeah, and had a fantastic lineup of other stuff going on, freestyle motocross, um, Harley-Davidson wheelie shows, all sorts of stuff, and it was amazing to see the amount of people that came out for that, uh, and hopefully some of them might come back to our circuit racing and check out the fantastic action when that kicks off in about... Ooh, 11 days' time here in West Australia, so that'll be pretty exciting. Uh, this week's guest, and I hope I get her last name pronunciation right, is Charlotte Pointing. Did I get it right? Yes, you got it. Normally people say Ponting. I think they're too scared to pointing. say Pointing, so you nailed it. <laughs> yes. All righty. Now let's finish the episode on that high note before I do something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> uh, how you been? I've been really good. Uh, been busy. I'm renovating a house at the moment, my first house, which I got in uh, September last year. So I've been keeping busy and yeah. Nice, nice. Now, whereabouts are you located in the world? I'm in Newcastle in New South Wales. Okay, cool. Um, you guys were supposed to host the first round of the supercars, but unfortunately got moved. So yes, is that coming back there this year? Do you know? Uh, there's talks of it being in either May, uh, possibly taking over from the Winton weekend with the supercars, uh, yep. or it'll be the season finale, which was meant to be Sydney, which is now the opener. So they'll either just okay. do a full swap with Sydney or bring it up in May. I'm not sure. <laughs> Full swap would be pretty cool. It'd be nice to end the season in Newcastle. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, it, the last few years when it had, well, the last two years it's been cancelled, but the three years before that it was the season finale and yeah. it was fantastic. You know, it was really good to finish the year at home and, yeah, nice little after party when it's at, at your own house. So <laughs> it's always good. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I think, uh, yeah, we're hanging out for supercars to come back to Perth, but. I think realistically it's not going to happen this year. Um, our supreme leader is still uh, hell-bent on keeping the borders up, which yes. have been good and bad. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just funny timing, you know, as soon as he has to travel, all of a sudden our quarantine rules dropped. So, yep. yeah, yeah. So now that he's leaving the state, maybe he's probably going to drop the border so he doesn't have to quarantine at all. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, yeah. AFL players have been getting exemptions. Like, how rubbish is that, that AFL gets exemptions and motorsport don't? Oh, totally. There were so many times over the last two years where, like, I personally am not a footy fan. I'm not not a footy fan. I just don't follow it religiously. But the last two you years know. has definitely almost turned me off it because of uh, how easily they've gotten by. They've gotten past all the rules and in and out of states. And, you know, our racing's pretty much been cancelled for the last two years. And, yeah. Yeah. Because the um here here in Western Australia we actually were at one stage gonna have to be double vaxxed and masks on to go to Wanneroo Raceway. Yeah. But at Optus Stadium for the football, there was no such thing as masks or social distancing happening yep. or double vax. That's so, terrible. You know, and Honestly, like, where are you going to be more enclosed? Like, you know, not everyone's going to be jammed into the back of a race car. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all out, you know, in spe you know media wise, we're out in the paddock wherever and spectators are in their cars watching on the sidelines. You know, it's just dumb. But typical AFL. But anyway, yes, let's That's not it. get into the hating of AFL because <laughs> this is all about you. Um, now, how did you get into motorsport? Have you got a family that were in motorsport before you? Uh, my family definitely has always had a huge interest in motorsport, but my family's racing history is in boats, uh, sailing and then ski boats. Uh, okay. So that my grandfather did that and then my dad did that as well. And my little brother and I, he's four years younger than me. When 
he was probably about four and I was about eight and we started skiing uh, not competitively but that was always the plan and dad was racing he used to ski and then he hurt his shoulder so he was driving the boats by then um and yeah we were going to take up skiing and we'd always been doing some kind of action sport like motorbikes or surfing we were always doing something I think I was dad's firstborn and I think he definitely wanted a boy so I was raised as a boy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which I love I wouldn't change for the world but yeah then we're kind of following the ski racing path and then dad had a really bad accident in the boat and was bedridden for a few months and the family said all right that's enough no more no more boats um and I think in that one year alone he'd had about four mates passed away doing it in really horrific crashes so it was just that was time to call it quits and then he went and bought himself a go-kart and he raced for a little while and then he got myself and my brother a go-kart and it was kind of more my brother's interest than mine to begin with and then yeah I don't know I just loved the weekends at the track with dad and Jordan and then Jordan ended off going off and playing footy and then yeah go-karting just become mine and dad's thing and the rest is history. <laughs> uh, what, what was your, uh, how long did it take you before you sort of get it, got into the competitive mindset and started actually going for, you know, wins and stuff like that at, at, the, at the go-kart track? It did take quite a while, to be honest. Um, I think it wasn't really until maybe my, until my brother started playing footy and then it was just dad and I at the track where, I don't know, we kind of just thought, all right, are we going to do this seriously or are we just having fun? Um, Of course, it was always still fun. But, yeah, we got picked up by a team and then once we started getting the factory drives and, uh, you know, the expensive stuff started getting paid for and I could test more often and enter bigger races, that's when it really took off. So I was 11 when I started racing and then it probably wasn't till I was about, oh, like 13 or 14 where... We started getting to the front and winning some races and we're like, all right, this is something that we want to continue on with. And I'd always been a massive Supercast fan. I've been going to Bathurst since I was nine, I think, and obviously all the local races. Dad was always taking us. So, yeah. Your uh, first competitive outing, how did that go? Oh, do you know what? I actually, I remember the first race where I thought to myself, oh, actually, we've done pretty well this weekend. Like, this could be something to chase after. We were at Lismore Young Guns, which is North Queensland, and it was a – it's like a a junior race. Um, and we raced three classes that weekend. So I did Junior National Light, Junior National Pro Weight, and Junior National Heavy. And we were only using two go-karts. So after the light race, we'd bolt 10 kilos of lead onto the light go-kart and then go out and race – uh, the medium weight class and I came third in that to was actually Jaden Ojeda won the race um, and we were yeah like 13 I think and then Harry Hayek I believe was second uh, I don't know if you know Harry Hayek he was he went been overseas racing and um, he's yeah really no, good and I remember someone's probably going to crucify me that I don't know the name but <laughs> I'm not I'm not a motorsport nerd. I'm a motorsport fan. That's so. fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I remember coming third to the two of them and just being like, wow, okay. They, they were at the top already at that time and um, I guess I'd started late, starting at 11, which sounds silly because you're still so young, but we, we definitely were late to the party. And, yeah, that weekend I remember finishing the last race and, I can say this now because it was so long ago. I actually had, because we were swapping the lead between go-karts, I actually felt a chunk of lead fall off the go-kart during the race. (laughs) And then I came in third and all I was thinking about was that that lead had fallen off and I was going to come in underweight. And so I, on the roll down lap, I drove through all the gravel traps purposely to get all the rocks in the (laughs) go-kart and on the tyres, stuck to the tyres as I possibly could. Um, and then I come in and dad had kind of worked out what had happened. And I <laughs> I really shouldn't say this, but he was passing me like he had like just coins in his pocket. He was passing me his coins. I had, um, I had his belt. Uh, yeah. So we, <laughs> we ended up coming in on way, luckily. Um, and the chunk of lead fell off on the last lap. So I had 
it's not like I'd had an advantage for the, <laughs> throughout the race. <laughs> but yeah, that's my first really competitive memory um, and kind of the moment where it dawned on me that it was something I wanted to do. I think you've just told me my new favourite story about first competitive racing. <laughs> We've had, um, had Antonio Estudi tell us uh, that he retired the car, uh, the go-kart, uh, just as he was about to be lapped because he didn't want that on the record. Yeah. That was his first ever, first ever race. I uh, had another one who told us, Chase Hoy from uh, West Australia, uh, he told us that he retired... No, they didn't retire the car. That's right. They ended up in a big argument with the officials about something on their first outing and so ended up changing go-karting clubs on their first outing oh, wow. to another club. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> there's been some crap. Like, there's been some other really funny stories and, you know, just, um, yeah, some lovely stories and that. But, yeah, I think I think yours now takes the cake. <laughs> oh, I'm so. glad. <laughs> <laughs> So now whenever we do the recaps and go back, oh, this, this one time, you know, we had Charlotte on and she told us this story about. <laughs> I did get halfway through that story and think, oh, oh, that's right. That's kind of illegal. But <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't yeah. until the last few corners. So it's fine. We'll just brush it off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Um <laughs> The um, I mean, it's not like there was a Formula One World Drivers Championship on the line. Or exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then again, who came fourth? Do you remember who came fourth? Um. Or do you want to deliberately forget? Just in do you case, know like, who I think it was? I think it was Bryce Fullwood. Okay, and, really? Yeah, and him and I like we were best best mates when we were that age. We still are really good mates now. Uh, but he had just gone to Birrell. He'd just moved to a different chassis of carts and it was fully uh, fully sponsored, fully paid for. And, you know, he had to really represent them and go on about how good they yeah. were. And we, the go-kart that I was in, I had bought off him about a month prior. And then he struggled all weekend in the Birrell. And I was never in a position to beat Bryce back then. I would like, there was... No way I would have ever been in front of Bryce Fullwood. Um, and then, yeah, I was all weekend and he spent the whole weekend begging me for his go-kart back that we just bought off him a month ago and he was like, I can't drive this thing, I can't drive this. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if he was fourth, but he was definitely around about there. And I remember that that was another big thing for me, knowing that I'd beat Bryce. That was, you know, a bit of an ego boost, but also... Uh, he was pretty disadvantaged because he did hate that go-kart that he was in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it was him who like got a magnet out or something and caused that bit of bit of bit of uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. to come <laughs> out. <laughs> Might have been there but, on the grid before we went out, kind of unbolding yeah. it. Bit of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stick to that story. Like we'll just add that as a bit of an extra to the story. And yeah. That way, if anyone ever goes, oh, you know, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have done that. Oh, but, you know, but Bryce. We'll just blame Bryce, yeah. (laughs) And I'll just hope he never listens to this podcast. (laughs) You know I'm going to tag him in it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So go-karting, how long did you spend in go-karting and whereabouts did you end up with your go-karting? We did um, from when I was 11 until 16 in go-karts and then did a, a little bit when I was 17 when I moved to Aussie cars we tried to do both but it was a bit much uh, so I'd say 16 was where karting really came to a halt um, yeah we ended up in a factory CRG team in the end so that was really cool to be with a big team and have all the stuff that the kids around us had because we really didn't we didn't have the money to compete with all those big teams growing up and we were just the go-kart that I had before the CRG was a, I think it was a nine-year-old Sodi and there were only really four other people in the country running that brand of go-kart and yeah so in the end we ended up with CRG with a really good team and we started getting to the front at some big national races and state titles and just really cool my biggest accomplishment in go-karts 
on paper would be winning women's nationals but to me that's not um there were so many other races that I did so much better in and there were much better uh competitors around me that on paper I probably only came the second or third so it doesn't look as good but there was definitely there was actually a nationals at Newcastle and it was the qualifying for qualifying so the last practice session of the practice day puts you in your starting position for qualifying the next morning and I was third and it was in uh pretty sure it was in senior ka light so clubman light I don't know if you um know go-kart classes much a little bit I've been been learning one of one of the guys that uh we get to work for us on air when we do our sports stuff is uh chris mitchell and he's like a little kid in a candy store um <laughs> he's a former go-karter um he commentates pretty much most of the go-kart rounds over here so i've been learning little bits and pieces off him yeah um, yeah cool yeah. um all, all i know is kz2 is really cool yes um, yeah so very that, cool that, i've I never think, actually can... had the chance to drive a shifter cart i've driven uh dd2 like the paddle shift cart and that was yeah. amazing that was probably the hardest thing i've ever driven like harder than a formula three car i reckon but i don't know how those people handle them they're crazy (laughs) the um speaking kz2 the demonstration uh event that arise racing put on over the weekend they actually had a kz2 demonstration and they started in the um supercars pit lane yeah on a route uh then did a hard right into the uh infield had like a little go-kart track set up in with cones and barriers they then went out the slip road which leads up uh towards uh away from turn seven up the hill yep they went halfway they got up that slip road did a big uh hairpin turn then headed down on the main track through turn seven um past mccracken house and then they had a a right angle turn right and then another 90 degree left turn back into the supercars pits um and there's some people at the track that usually have just grumpy faces on them all the time (laughs) they had massive smiles on them watching these go-karts doing their thing and bumping into each other and you know like um a couple of them one of them ended up in the sand in turn seven so we're like yep that's a future racer right there for for Wanneroo Raceway yep Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't think many people can say they've been in the sand trap in a go-kart uh, at Wanneroo Raceway. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it was just really funny to watch, like just these little cars, yeah, the little carts going around and, um, yeah, like the shifts and everything, just, yeah, good fun. But um, now after go-karting, um, now you mentioned that you were doing Aussie race cars. So how did you get involved with Aussie race cars? Uh, when we were and for people racing, that don't know what are, what are Aussie race cars now my first experience with Aussie race cars was when I met you in Sydney in May 21 yes yeah um yep uh sneaking through the pits getting those lovely photos of drivers when they're not watching yeah um <laughs> and then of course there was the girls on track stuff which we'll talk about later um so that was my first introduction to Aussie race cars and I thought it was super cool and it's, also super funny like the look of the cars yeah um but explain what they are for people that don't know what aussie racing cars are so aussie racing cars are uh they're a custom built chassis uh they're very tiny they're only i think i think they're about 1400 mil wide so just over just under a meter and a half wide um and I don't know how long they are, so it probably wasn't the best way to lead with it. <laughs> uh, but they're they're about half the size of a normal car, about half the size of a normal size hatchback you'd see on the road. Um, custom built chassis, they're all identical, and then you there's about nine different shells that you can put on the car. So I've I started out in a Camaro, now I'm in a Mustang, uh, but they're just a fiberglass body and you just put whatever stickers you want on them to make them look like whichever car you want basically uh but no they're fantastic the power to weight ratio is amazing because they're only where where our class weight is 595 kilos um so as you can imagine that's a very very light for a racing category and then they've got a 1300 yamaha 
uh, XJR motorbike engine in them. So we get up to about 240 down Conrad Strait at Bathurst. So they get up and go yeah. for how small they are. Yeah. Yeah, they were, um, I saw them at Sydney Motorsport Park and just flying around some of those corners. I was yep. like, this is so cool. And we're, and we're flat like, out through turn one at Sydney. Yeah. And that is absolutely wild. Trying not to lift through there. If you don't get your line perfectly, you can't do it flat out. Even if you're half a foot off the off the correct racing line, you try to do it flat out, you'll be going backwards through the sand trap. So it's a very big <laughs> commitment at Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I obviously got to see the um, TA2s going flat out through turn one, you know, all side by side, and it's a very different sound, the TA2s to the Aussie racing cars. Yes. Yeah, we sound like a big swarm of bees, Aussie racing cars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I used, to, I used to compare the XLs to the swarm of bees, and then I saw Aussie racing cars, and like, okay, so Aussie racing yeah. cars can be the bees, and now I need to redefine what excels are when yep. they're forming <laughs> like that. So um, now the the seating position is not not normal either for a for a race car. It's is it centered from what I could see? It's yeah, it's almost centered. So you're a tiny bit more to the left, uh, if anything, because the drive shaft runs down the right hand side of you. Uh, so you're okay. just just off centered a little bit, but yeah, you're pretty much in the middle. Um, your gear sticks on the right as well, which is different to a normal race car uh but yeah there and they look they look pretty crammed people always say like how do you get in and out of there but there's there's some big guys that race that class like once you're in yeah, there they're really spacey it reminded me of the simpsons uh the tall guy in the simpsons yeah. that drives around in his little um little buggy yep yep. yeah nelson keeps pointing going ha 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 already <laughs> and then he like unfolds himself and you know, he's just, yeah, so that some of the guys uh, racing in that category definitely reminded me of that. Definitely. I remember my first ever race in Aussie Racing Cars was at Phillip Island. And um, I think from memory, it was Mark Griffith, his car caught. So Mark Griffith runs the Hogs Breath cars in GT. Uh, and yep. his car caught on, his Aussie Racing car caught on fire during the race and he jumped out as quick as he could. And it was like, when you watch it back on the replay, it just looks so silly. It's like this giant getting out of this tiny little car and it's like, how did you fit in there? Because he's a really tall man. And, yeah, I remember that was the first race that my family, like extended family, had watched on TV and stuff. And they're like, oh, my God, is that oh, man yeah. really big or is the car <laughs> so small? Like... <laughs> <laughs> the um... – oh. Just shifting position over here. Um, the and it's very uncomfortable all of a sudden. I don't know why. Um, the so the Aussie racing cars. Um, who have you raced against in that in that division? Um, I've raced against some pretty cool people. Do you know my, my absolute favorite? Probably my favorite Aussie racing car story. Uh, we were racing at Barbagello, actually. The one time I've been <laughs> there. Wanneroo, Wanneroo oh, sorry, Wanneroo. Wanneroo. <laughs> <laughs> Typical supercars circuit driver. Um. <laughs> the, the sponsorship deal has ended with Barbagello, so now we've got to call it back Wanneroo. Okay. Um, and just full disclosure, they are a customer of my commercial side of things, so okay. I try to just make sure we talk, call them the right thing, you know. <laughs> All right, perfect. Okay, so I was <laughs> racing, Aussie racing cars at Wanneroo. Uh, I reckon it was probably 2018, I'm going to say. And the stadium super trucks were racing that year as well. And they yep. had, Aussie Racing Cars had a spare car that weekend and they hadn't really made it very public, but they'd been putting a, a stadium super, super truck driver in the car for each race, but it was a different driver each race throughout the weekend none of us okay. really knew it was happening i guess it was more of it was probably a bit of a tv thing yeah. um and then i was it was race three i was in about ninth and then all of a sudden this red car that i'd never seen before i'd been racing there all weekend and i'd never seen this red car it just comes up massive slide job and just whacks me so hard and i was like who is this <laughs> i'm on the radio to dad i'm like dad who the hell is in this red car that's just come out of nowhere and dad's like look i wasn't going to say anything 
Um, but it's Robbie Gordon. So <laughs> just hit him back and race yep. as hard with him as he can. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was so shocked. I didn't, I had no idea that he was in the race and we ended up, that was probably five laps to go and we battled door to door for the rest of the race. And I don't think I've ever raced anyone that hard. And to be honest, that dirty before, like we were just banging each other every lap, but I was loving it. I was, had the biggest smile on my face the whole time. And dad was kind of in my ear being like, if he, if he rubs you, rub him back. Like that's how they race. Yeah. You just you just got to give it back to him. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> um, and it was so much fun, and definitely the biggest name I've ever raced against. And then I came in from the race, and Dad was jamming me up. He's like, you got to go talk to him. Got to go talk to him. And I was all nervous, and I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. And my mum, my mum has a massive crush on Robbie Gordon, so she was like, all right, no, I'll take you over. Let's go. So we walk down towards the stadium super truck pits and there's just a swarm of people around him because, you know, like once you're in NASCAR, you're a star, you're not just a, a race car driver anymore. You're a famous person. And he had a crowd around him all weekend. And yeah, we walk over and there's just people surrounding him and I'm trying to chicken out. And I'm like, nah, mom, like let's, we'll come back later. And then he yells out across the crowd and he's like, oh, wait, wait, Charlotte, Charlotte, come over here. And I was like, oh, well, this is weird. Um, and then, yeah, we go, we go and have a chat to him and he was like, that was so cool. I was like, oh, this guy's really giving it back to me. And then my crew was like, oh, it's a chick. And I was like, what? It's a chick. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. And then we chatted for ages and he actually wanted to take me over to North Carolina to do some stuff in stadium trucks over there. And it was all all in place um we had his manager sort of sort out all the details and everything and then he did that big stunt in darwin which i don't know if you know about but he yeah got the stadium truck out on the street and did some burnouts and some donuts and mm -hmm. got in a bit of trouble for it and i think yeah. he got his australian racing license suspended he sure did yes and then that was the end of that and then we never heard from him again after he got banned from racing here I guess I kind of uh got thrown out too <laughs> yeah it was um yeah I mean it was very silly what he did very silly um, yeah and yeah cams at the time now motorsport Australia definitely tore up his racing license yes. um and I think which fair enough <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I think some drivers have done some dumber stuff than that. Maybe. True. Yeah. Um, I yeah, there's 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 a lot of rumors and stuff around why that happened, but um, you know, to do with it, I think at the time as well, Stadium Super Trucks wasn't properly sanctioned by Motorsport Australia in yep. terms of they, they didn't have any control over it um whereas now they actually have the class and everything in place and um he's got his license back apparently if he wants it um but yeah so there's a bit of a did they rip it up purely because you know as an overreaction and as a bit of a like screw you now we can run things our way thing or yeah you, know, you don't know you don't know but um those were definitely things that were said around the time and still whispers come up every now and then about that so, definitely yeah yeah i think um, the biggest thing for us was that it um we've always had i mean my biggest dream with racing has always been to end up in america because i love the nascar yeah. scene and so that was kind of our foot in the door and that, i thought i thought i'd made it then i was like yep this is it we're going to america it's happening and then yeah that was he went and did that and yeah i was pretty upset <laughs> Well, Mr. Robbie Gordon, I'm going to call you out, and I don't care. I'm going to clip this out, and I'm going to send it to you. Get in contact with Charlotte and sort your shit out, mate. All right? Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've got their um, media contact here somewhere. I might, uh, might send them an email later. Um, <laughs> um, now, in addition to uh, Aussie race cars, um you drove something a lot bigger than a yes uh aussie racing cars 
and that would be a super cute. Yay! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, so I, that I, was... I'm not giving out points for the right answers here. <laughs> I was like, am I quizzing um, on my own racing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that was really super last minute that call up. Um, it was in the first year that Super Utes came onto the scene, and uh, my team in the team I race with in Aussie Racing Cars, Western Sydney Motorsport, they are very involved with Super Utes. And uh, oh, gosh, I think it was well, actually, it was the second year that Newcastle 500 was running, and Aussie Racing Cars weren't on the calendar for Newcastle. So all wow. year we were like, all right, what are we going to race? I can't miss my home round. And then Super Utes was the most obvious choice because the race team already had four cars running in the category. And I think at the time, actually, they had three cars and they had the fourth car due to be built for Bathurst that year. So then, so Bathurst was October and then Newcastle was end of November. And then, so we committed to Newcastle and then I'd never raced at Bathurst before. I'd been every year since I was nine, but I'd never driven anything there. And Craig Thompson, team owner, was like, hey, let's race Bathurst in the Ute. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not having my first race at Bathurst in a Ute where I'm not comfortable. Like, no way, no way. I'd do it in the Aussie car in a heartbeat, but no. And then he's like, no, come on. Like, you can't say no to Bathurst, blah, blah, blah. Ended up twisting my arm. And then the Ute build took longer than expected. Um <laughs> and basically, long story short, they finished building the ute on the Wednesday night at, yep. I think, about 2 a.m. They finished the ute build on the, well, the Thursday morning, basically. 2 a.m. It was finished at the track, and then we were the first category out at 7.45 that morning. So I'd done, before the ute was completely finished, on maybe the Monday that week at Sydney Motorsport Park, I did two laps in the ute. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, we went to Bathurst, 7.45 in the morning, cold as. It's pouring down rain. I'd never raced a H-pattern gearbox <laughs> before. I'd done barely two laps in this ute and they weren't at all at speed. It was just putting around. Uh, so, yeah, drove out. My first ever session, pouring rain. Had to teach myself how to heel and toe, which is so hard in the rain even now that I know how to do it it's hard heel and towing in the rain <laughs> and I had to teach myself how to do it um but yeah it was a crazy weekend a massive eye-opener I don't think I'll ever be scared in a race car again because I don't think anything <laughs> will ever top how I felt in <laughs> in that first practice session but yeah we ended up having a really good weekend um and then in the last race of the weekend I'd finally uh thought I'd taught myself how to heel and toe and I got a bit cocky and had a massive compression lock over the top and put it in the wall in the S's on the last lap of the last race of the weekend. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. Ouch. I, um, I went up to the only time I've ever been to Bathurst or, um, yeah, it was for the Australian Hill Climb Champions yep. uh, Championship and I got driven up the opposite way through forest elbow and the dipper the s's and up the skyline and from that angle it looks really tight yeah um and most of the supercars drivers we've had on are just basically like yeah you've just got to commit and like over the skyline you know mcfilling me part through skyline and everything just commit and don't Commit and don't lift, I think, was what some of the words they've said. Yes. <laughs> so you sort of get down to the, the dipper and the S and that. Um, how was it going in that beast for the first time through that, um, you know, through the S's, the dipper down through Forest Elbow and then onto Conrad Strait? It was oh, it was so crazy. Do you know what my – the biggest thing I remember is that coming down into the dipper, I'd done it in a road car before, just driving around at 60 or whatever the speed limit is not me driving but being in the passenger seat you know but 
the first time I went across there at speed, the first time coming into the dipper, I remember, you know, when you go down a hill, a really steep hill in a car and you can't, like you lose your stomach, you get that dropping feeling in your stomach. I remember that happening and just being like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) this is so in a race car at speed. This is so much steeper than you think. And yeah, like tight, like everyone says. And then I'd never been, I'd never raced anything other than the Aussie racing car. I'd never actually even driven another race car. So the ute is more than twice the size of those things. And I lost my passenger mirror on, I think, the third corner of the outlap because I'm not used to having a whole (laughs) other half of a car to the left of me. Um, But, yeah, it's just, it was indescribable. I remember that weekend being asked a few times by people, like, describe it and I was like I can't I thought I was ready I did so many simulator laps and I was like yep I know the track but you get out there and the undulation it feels like a completely different track to like you could do millions of laps on a simulator and just never be prepared for Bathurst until yeah. you're there yeah it's um I, f- I was surprised by um how narrow it was compared to what it looks like on tv yeah Especially when you see two supercars side by side going through that yep, section for as sure. well, and, it's, and then you know you're in a you're in a taxi, you know technically the same as a supercar. Um, you're in a taxi, and someone goes past you on that same same corner, uh, the opposite way, and you're like, oh shit, are we going to hit? Yeah, yeah. and then just yeah, I I give full props to anyone that can do that that uh, track at speed. Like oh, it's just nuts. Like, Definitely, you're all nuts. yeah. I I think honestly it was a blessing in disguise having my first race there in the Ute because I've raced there the last two years in the Aussie racing car and I have to say I definitely went in with like just an abundance of confidence across the top being in the Aussie car because it feels so wide to what I was compared to in the Ute the track seems massive in the Aussie car like across the top it's like oh I've got so much space because I was used to the Ute up there so um it definitely made it a lot easier to commit across the top in the aussie car but and those things they just handle so good as well so you can you know you can push them a lot harder than you think you can oh i think we might have lost charlotte oh you're back i'm back Stop checking Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) no i don't know i said my connection wasn't strong and say it's an android thing no, it's not. At least the Android <laughs> connect to connect. It's not like the iPhone. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so, how many races did you end up doing in the um, Aussie uh, in the Utes? Aussie Utes. And now we're getting everything confused. In the Super Utes. In the Super Ute, I did uh, Bathurst and Newcastle that year, and then the following year. So that was in a Hilux. I did those two races, and then the following year, I did Queensland Raceway in a triton so i've just done the three okay i'm just going to show you which um we might try and sneak this into the uh the link but um can you can you see that that's yes uh, newcastle australia super ute that you ran that was that was very cool newcastle is very novocastrian proud so if you live in newcastle you're a novocastrian Um, And, yeah, they're very, very proud of just anyone that's doing cool stuff from Newcastle. And New Italian Elms, the Lord Mayor, is just a massive rev head and uh, was a very, very big part in Newcastle getting the supercars. And, yeah, she has just been super, super supportive from day one. I actually used to make a coffee in one of my first jobs in a cafe when I was about 15. (laughs) 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 Um, And then, yeah, then... She ended up helping me out um, with a partnership that was, wasn't allowed to be a sponsorship. That's just a partnership. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they that was really cool to have Newcastle on the car. And that was on the car for Newcastle as well. They were on the car the first year at Newcastle in the, on the Aussie racing car. That was how it started. And then, yeah, they've uh, supported me ever since. Nice. Now, um, rumor has it uh, something something W series. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, want to, you want to tell me about uh, about that? 
So W series is, I'm going to be brutally honest because it's not something that I will uh, ever look towards again. And so I don't have to be careful about what I'm saying about it, but it was something that I was never interested in. I don't agree that there needs to be a women's only category and most girls you speak to will agree, but a lot of them are kind of in those categories or in those things where it's women only and they have to shut up about it basically. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's not, it's not like it's footy or running or boxing or something that you don't have to be, um, you're not disadvantaged being a woman in a racing car basically. So we don't need to be separated or in our own category, in my opinion. So when everything started with W series, we, had no interest in it at all. We were never going to, I was never going to apply. I didn't even read up on it. And then after applications closed about a week later, they actually contacted me and were like, Hey, uh, we want you to come over and try out in Austria, blah, blah, blah. The prize, there's a half a million dollar prize pool. And then I was like, couple. I'm not going to say no to a free trip to Austria and prize money. Yeah, why uh, so, not? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we did where's, it. Your, where's your morals on this? You know, like selling yourself for <laughs> half a million dollars on a trip to Austria. How dare you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So we uh, went over to Austria, and then there were fifty-one girls or fifty-two girls, I think, from around the world that got picked to go over, and I was just happy to be going. I didn't expect to even be in the top half. I really thought that uh, I kind of thought that I wasn't ready to be doing. I didn't think I'd be good enough. I'd never been in an open wheeler before. I did not have the experience that most of these girls had, especially because 80% of them were from Europe and obviously yeah. the racing scene's just huge in Europe. It's insane. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I ended up really surprising myself doing a lot better than I expected to. Uh, we did a lot before I went over a lot less the amount of driver training I did before I went over there and just the weird stuff I did. Like I was doing um motor carners in my Toyota Starlet. I was doing laps in <laughs> a uh, DD2 cart. I was uh drifting as often as I could doing some skid pan stuff. I did some form a day in a Formula Three like the amount of they didn't tell us what we were going to be doing over there, but the amount of things that Dad and I were just trying to throw myself into to be prepared was crazy. Um, yeah. And yeah, I did quite, quite well over there. And on the final day, we had like a race of champions style race. So, I'd, like, we go out and you're on the same track, but you swap tracks halfway through, you're just against one person, and it's process of elimination. So, whoever wins each race goes through whoever loses is kicked out basically. And in that, out of the 51 or 52 girls, I ended up equal fifth. Yeah. Um, and that was the only sort of race scenario thing that we did all weekend. Everything else was really like silly little exercises that I don't think went towards anything. We were in Porsches and Ford Fiestas all weekend, which it was for a Formula 3 series and it was all in the snow it was january in austria and there was actually like a snowstorm on the day on the final day of the racing and it i just didn't feel like anything correlated but it ended up equal fifth on the last day thought i'd made it for sure and then they gave us they sat us down and were like all right we're gonna let you know who's going through further and yeah, I didn't make it. And the girl, there was a girl who was, I think, probably ended up about roughly 45th out of that race scenario thing. She got through straight away. Like, there were just so many politics involved that kept coming out. Mm. And there was, there's pe- people who, um, sorry, my dog's just barking at the door and it's <laughs> distracting me. <laughs> um, but there were, a few women who were really publicly against it, like big profile women as well, like Pippa Mann, um, who's yeah. raced IndyCar. Uh, yeah, there were some big names who were very against it from day dot, who then were very quick to reach out after I um, probably shouldn't have, but as soon as I was on my way to the airport, I 
<laughs> posted my wrap up of the weekend full of um, adrenaline and anger and I've kind of always been told not to do that. I've been told to wait, let everything simmer. But in that moment, I was yeah. just like, nah, this is what happened. This is how it is. And I'm going to be honest because I was nervous about it to begin with and it ended up being exactly what I expected. Uh, then, yeah, so many people reached out being like, look, this is exactly what we expected as well, blah, blah, blah. So I have zero respect for W Series pretty much <laughs> um, and a lot of the girls you'll speak to are in like Chelsea Angelo she was there with me and she did incredibly well as, as well like she did awesome and she had a lot of Formula 3 experience and she also didn't get through uh, and really with just zero explanation like nothing yeah. at all but yeah that's a shame <laughs> But yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I mean, I, I followed a little bit of the women's series and, and I saw, I remember when they were doing all the, um, marketing around it and I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is interesting, you know, from, from the initial perspective, what I had was that it was, uh, supposed to be to, I guess, put women talent in front of the, Formula One teams, which was how it was all originally, yes, spruiked. Yeah, but then after, as I said, like seeing how they were running it, I was like, actually, no, this is not what it is. No, this seems like it's a checking the box mm -hmm. thing rather than actually uh, putting putting that that talent in front of yeah people who need to see it Definitely. because F one is very money driven. Um, there's you know drivers that pay you know i mean they're still obviously good enough to be there but you know there's drivers that should have seats that don't have seats because they don't have money and yeah exactly you know, there's been some um like the girls that are at the front of that category don't get me wrong like jane chadwick she is incredible yeah. and she deserves to be there she deserves to you know get an f1 seat ultimately eventually hopefully yeah. um and, you know, all the girls that were there did deserve that they were all, I mean, you had to be good to get picked to go in the beginning, I yeah. guess. So they all deserve a seat. But it's nothing against the girls that are there. It's just the way the category was it's organized. The program, and it's ran. Not, the, yeah. not the participants, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the biggest thing, actually, when we were at the tryouts, so we were there for three days, and they had a camera crew for everything, and we got split into groups and I was really fortunate that my group, we all got along instantly. And I, I was with um, Tony Breidinger and Natalie Decker. They're both pretty big names for females in NASCAR now. Um, and we, yeah, we just had a really good group. There was about six of us and a camera crew followed each group around and they were forcing cattiness on all of the girls. They were trying to make the girls yeah fight and bicker which is exactly the opposite of what this category should have been doing like yeah it, you know should have been bringing girls up and it was doing the opposite it was trying to create it. and they ended up making a tv show out of um like what the little snippets that the camera crew were getting and there were times where they actually the camera crew were telling us like hey no try and be a bit be a bit bitchy here let's let's make it entertaining yeah. and our group luckily because we all got along so well we all um, swore to each other. We were like, no, let's not give them what they want. Let's just be happy the whole time. We're not going to give into it. And yeah. none of us were in any of the um, TV show because we obviously weren't exciting enough because <laughs> <laughs> we were happy the whole time. So that was another massive thing that I just think was so wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of the you know, women in motorsport stuff has been you know to obviously show. Yeah, and this I guess segues into the girls on track stuff that um, you know spent. You know, I think well, it was almost a whole day that was spent up up at the track that day. Um, you know, and and that's all been about showing the girls. You know, no matter what in motorsport, you know, you can do everything that that the dudes are doing and can do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that just goes completely against everything else that's been set up and Definitely. Yeah, promoted. Yeah, um, I did a feature uh, a couple of years ago. We did a women in motorsport uh, feature for um, uh, the now defunct Drive Tribe, and 
which everyone was like, why are you doing that on Drive Tribe? Like that's, you know, Clarkson, Hammond and May. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's actually a really good platform to put this on. Yeah. Um, because, you know, a lot of people wouldn't expect it to come out of that platform. Uh, and we interviewed, well, I interviewed 16 women. Oh, wow. Aged from 11 to 60-something. Yep. Um, and it was ended up being a 45-minute feature and, you know, had all these different responses and, um, and it was interesting that the stuff we got told off air was the stuff that I would have really have loved to have recorded. Yeah. But totally for their own careers, they yeah. don't want to say that stuff publicly. That's, um, a big, that's then, why I've always been so honest about how W series was for me, because I know that there's yeah. girls who are too afraid to say it because, you know, it could ruin their careers. And I was very ginger about it to begin with. But now yeah. I'm just like, you know what? It's not something I'm ever going to try out for again. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm going to stand up for the half the girls that got screwed over and feel like this, but they don't want to say anything. So, yeah. 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 Good on you. Yeah. Thank you. you. <laughs> um, now, I did tell you that I usually I play dumb and try and just get you to tell the story a little bit. But um, <laughs> New Zealand's Sangyong Utes. Yes. Won a scholarship. So how did that come about? Uh, so that was actually Bathurst weekend that I was in the Super Ute. Um, <laughs> I think it was a week before that first Bathurst in the Super Ute. Uh, the the Sangyong series contacted me and they were like, hey, we have a, uh, a scholarship up for grabs for, it was called the fastest, um, New Zealand's fastest girl, I think the scholarship was called. And you won a season for free in the Sangyong Ute in a hot pink ute with like all breast cancer awareness over it was really really cool um and yeah so it was it was six days actually i remember six days before bathurst and they're like hey you should come over and try out for this and i was like oh i can't it's bathurst weekend i'm racing and then they were like oh no it's on bathurst sunday we've already checked your schedule you're not racing on the sunday and i was like yeah but you're in new zealand and they're like oh it's fine and then the um the guy organizing it all was like, here, look, you can stay at uh, mine and my wife's house. I've got it all organized. I'll drive you out to the track. Like, we'll just sort it out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, well, we have to go now. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I flew over. So I finished my last, but well, I put the U in the wall across the S's. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, now I know why you did that. You wanted to go to New Zealand. All right, yeah. okay, yeah. Now the truth comes out. <laughs> but yeah, got brought back on the top. No, I drove the U I did drive the Ute back to the pits and then I got out. Didn't even have enough time to apologize for the team for crashing the Ute because I just had to run to the car park and get in the car. I think we had I think I had three hours to be from Bathurst to Sydney Airport and on the flight. Um so Jeez, <laughs> super touch and go. I landed at like one AM in Auckland and then was out at the track, at, was out at Pukekohe at 6am or 6.30 or something to try out for the Sangyong series. And, yeah, ultimately I ended up coming out on top of the tryouts. Um, we just did, yeah, it wasn't, there wasn't heats involved. It was honestly we just did laps in the cars and they've got a passenger seat in them. So they just had different instructors in the car with you the whole time, which is, the best way to try out for something i guess you've got yeah. you know all the i think they had the top three uh from the championship the year before jump in the car with everyone for a few laps and that's how they decided and then i was lucky enough that one of the guys that jumped in the car with me he was really in my ear and he was like i just want you to launch, like you to launch the curbs and like we'd get to turn is it turn like turn two and three the little chicane at um and he'd be like i want to be airborne over here like scary airborne and he kept saying that every lap and he's like not enough not enough and i was like oh so i was he pushed me really hard which was great it was probably the only reason i got through and yeah um flew home that night and then was back over the weekend later racing and they were 
the coolest things I've ever raced. I've never been in anything more fun than those utes. The racing in them is just so tight and so aggressive. Um, yeah. And you're, you're allowed to bump draft in New Zealand, which yeah, exactly. you're not allowed to do here. And that was just a whole new world to me. Um, and we were, getting, we were picking up on some tracks, I think like an extra 20 kilometres down the straight from a bump draft. And yeah. you're just, you're not ready for that. You get, you have to sit. Well, I don't know if this was a rule or just a respect thing in the Sangyong series, but you kind of have to signal if you want the bump draft. If you, if the person in front of you doesn't give you a signal, then you don't hit them. You don't, you don't give them that draft down the straight. But yeah, yeah once you signal that you're ready for it, that initial bump from behind, like it snaps your neck. It's crazy <laughs> and then especially at like a track like Pukekohe where you're heading into that turn one flat out and you've got a car pushing you and you just like oh it's so scary but it's so much fun and you have to do it you you're slow if you don't bump draft in those utes so no that they were awesome coolest thing I've ever raced by far yeah highlight of the career yeah a lot of your career <laughs> no I think um it would be, yeah, no, it'd be up there. Probably not the highlight. I don't know if I could pinpoint the highlight, but definitely up there. Okay. Um, so you've spent the last few years with Aussie race cars. Um, and this year, what are you up to? This year, um, well, we are struggling after the last two years of COVID with sponsors and I think I mentioned earlier, we've been really fortunate that everything has been sponsored up to this point and we personally, we can't afford to pay for it ourselves. So yeah. at this point, we are struggling a little bit to get the budget and we've got Sydney in three weeks, which actually maybe less than three weeks, um, which isn't looking very possible at the moment, but I'm not writing anything off. If, if I have to miss the first round, then so be it. But, you know, we all work so hard, me and mum and dad, all work so hard to get the sponsors. So if, if we miss Sydney, but we're there for the rest of the year, then, you know, that'll be good. But yeah, at okay. this stage, it's all a very touch and go, to be honest. <laughs> but if Newcastle goes ahead, I'll be in something at Newcastle. I don't know what, but I refuse to miss out on my home race. <laughs> and if you need to, like, just go get a KZ2 and, like, just drive it around the track. And, yeah, literally. You know, <laughs> Just crash the race, you know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. What's your um what's your future plans with racing? You got anything you've you got like a goal of where you want to be or just, just taking it? Um, I guess when I was younger it was obviously to have a career in it. Um and it still is that you know, I'd do anything to have a career in racing, but I'm 23 now and I know it sounds silly, but that is starting to get a bit too old to, for where I'm at to make it. Um, but yeah, the, the dream's always going to be to make it somewhere in racing, whether it's racing or, you know, stunt driving or some kind of career that I guess came from racing. But for now, I'm just, I still love it. Uh, it it's brought me and mum and dad so close together. Um, and yeah, I just we're having a great time now. So if that's all it continues being forever and we just do it for fun, then that's fantastic. But if, you know, a career or something further comes out of it, then even better. <laughs> I think uh, if you want to get into the stunt, stunt car driving, you could probably speak to uh, Olga Miller. She's a bit of a badass. Yes. Her, yeah. uh, stunts in and out of the car. I've seen some of her out of car stuff. And... Yeah some movies I've watched that I didn't realise it was her until after I met her at the uh, FIA Girls on Track event and then sort of looked her up afterwards and I was like, oh, that that was Olga in that movie. Yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> she's so cool. Like um, I've worked with her with Driving Solutions for a few years now and she's just the stuff she can do on a skid pan. Like, oh, it's so precise. You just watch her like, how are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing yes all right so they've got a couple of picky brain questions okay. um actually and and so the first question is if you could be teamed up with any driver from any era of motorsport 
not necessarily, you know, and from any category whatsoever, worldwide, okay. who would you want that to be? Do you know, this has always been my heart, like such a hard question. And uh, when people used to ask me like who my biggest idol is and stuff like that, I've never really been able to answer it. But lately I have been obsessed with Hayley Deegan. Uh, so my dad actually, I think, came across her on YouTube. Dad loves his YouTube. He just sits there and he watches, you know, people doing all these crazy things. And, yeah, he stumbled across her and obviously Brian Deegan is you know, <laughs> crazy. Um, he's someone yeah. that's really cool as well. Uh, but yeah, we, I've just been obsessed with her YouTube and her career lately. And I think she's incredible and she just has no fear at all. And she, the amount of things that she does, like from her dirt racing to her NASCAR stuff now, and she just excels in everything she does. So if I had to team up with anyone, it would be her for sure. And she's a girl. So Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Brent, if he was here, he would be asking this question, and that is, do you have any superstitions or rituals that you do before you go out to race? Um, since I started racing go-karts, Dad and I have always done a little fist bump right before the race starts, and he says, have a good one, doll." says it exactly like that every time. Have a good one, Dahl, as if he bumps me. And if that doesn't happen, I'm in my head the whole race. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, I don't know if I can swear on this story. <laughs> yeah, no, look, we just put explicit on this because usually <laughs> some of the stories we get told, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I get all um, up in my head if okay. we don't do our little fist bump. And then also when I roll into the box in the Aussie racing car, I – so neutral is between first and second in Aussie. They're a sequential neutral because they're a motorbike gearbox. Yep. Neutral's in between first and second. Um, and sometimes they can pop into neutral pretty easily. So when I'm waiting for the lights to go out on the grid, whenever someone watches my GoPro footage, they just crack up laughing because I'm just there bashing the gear stick as hard as I can. For, like it's in first. <laughs> it's always in first. But I am just so up in my head that it's going to slip out into neutral. So I just sit there the whole time banging the gear sticks so hard. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's definitely the two biggest things I do before a race start. <laughs> um, cool. That's that's. We might have to try and get some of that footage off you sometime. And yeah, I'll try and find chuck, some. <laughs> chuck, it, chuck it up on, our, on the website for people to have a bit of a look so yeah. they can go, oh, that's what you're talking about. So, um. Now, last question. Um, obviously, mum and dad are a huge uh, thank you. Yes. Uh, for your for your love and involvement, and obviously to be still racing in that. Who else would you have on that list of the biggest thank yous? You know, if you're standing at a you know at a, an event and had to give give thanks to you know you had. A minute to give thanks to people who would, who would be on that list oh that is so hard there are so many people um the two main people that come to mind for me is so darren chamberlain he is big name in Aussie racing cars he you know won the championship a few years ago he was the one that got me my start in Aussie racing cars um he we met him through his son josh anderson who now runs up the front in Aussie racing cars when he started racing go-karts we were helping them out a bit and Chamber turned around to dad one day and just said oh to thank you like I want to put you in the Aussie racing car and dad was like no nah, put Charlotte in it let's go do a test day with Charlotte and he was like okay cool uh so that's how that all come about and we ran his car for the first season and he just was amazing gave us all of his intel and everything he could that first year and there's no way I'd be in Aussie cars without him. And then uh, Craig Thompson, the owner of Western Sydney Motorsport, another person, there's no way I'd be racing if it wasn't for him. He's just, yeah. you know, gone above and beyond to make sure that I stay on track and that I keep racing. And he's amazing. He's so generous and he's just so helpful. And that whole team, that, like Western Sydney Motorsport, are just incredible. They're a great outfit. They're massive team they've got you know at least eight cars in aussie racing cars at a time and um yes definitely those two people and then if i like god there's so many if i was to go back to go-karts it'd be 
Wayno, he was my go-kart engineer and oh so many the, the list is never ending <laughs> yeah <laughs> all righty well we're going to wrap up the episode there um thank you very much for joining us um especially at such a late time i mean it is you know you guys are three hours ahead of us over here in the west and we do appreciate uh that's okay you thank you for having these, me uh, discussions at these time um good luck with everything hope to catch you uh somewhere soon if we ever get you know if we get allowed out or you guys get all that <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know which one's going to happen first um i know the um that may event um I, I bumped into nick i've told this story a couple of times i bumped into nick Perkat, and um you know the first thing he says instead of like you know hi how you doing or anything like that um his response to my hey nick how you doing was oh did they actually let you people out of that state yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah good to see you too nick. yeah like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it's a bit like that isn't it to, <laughs> next time i get asked to do a photo shoot with you i'll just make sure you look horrible yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so um yeah, look, well, uh, obviously, for those listening, um, you know, however you've found us, if it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, go to behindthesport.net, find this episode. We'll chuck in links to her social media where you can see her doing the renovations on our house. Um, and, of course, we you know the car stuff, of course. And, um, yeah, that wraps it up for I think this is going to be – episode nine of series two so this is our 39th episode 11 more to go till the 50 um thanks again charlotte and thank you everyone for joining us thank you for having me shane here from behind the sport thanks for listening to our latest episode if you don't already follow us head on over to facebook and instagram find us on there give us a follow or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes and more. Thanks for listening, we'll catch you next time.